0: This is the Feminine Genius Podcast, a podcast that celebrates all women of God and their unique genius. I'm your host, Rachel Wong. One summer, Lauren Costabile served at a camp for children and youth with special needs. In her nervousness, she connected with a camper with Down syndrome, and for her, that connection was like receiving a hug from God. As she learned more and grew in her desire to serve this community, she founded the organization Hearts of Joy International, which provides heart surgery for children with Down syndrome in countries where families can't afford medical care. In this episode, Lauren and I talk about how she founded Hearts of Joy International, her deep desire to serve others, and how our little yeses help us live out our God-given plan and mission for our lives. Hello Lauren. Hi! How are you? (laughs) I'm great. How you doing? I'm doing well, thanks. Welcome to the Feminine Genius Podcast. It was just so great to see your name pop up in my inbox a couple months ago, so I'm glad that the Lord made a way for us to connect. And uh, maybe just as we get started here, I was wondering if you could share with listeners a little bit about who you are and what you're doing right now.
1: Yes, first of all, thank you so much for having me. So I'm Lauren, and I am the founder of Hearts of Joy International, and we provide life-saving heart surgery for children with Down syndrome. And so I have about 14 years experience with the special needs population. It's what makes my heart beat. It's my passion. It's what I love. It's uh, helped me to grow in my faith and just discover God in new ways. And uh, there's much more to that story and who I am, but that's kind of me in a nutshell. Yeah, just loving people with disabilities and um, Mm -hmm. desiring to spread joy in our world.
0: Yeah. And just before maybe I ask you to share a little bit more deeply about your own personal faith journey, Like I was curious to know like what it is that perhaps moves your own heart. And I think that's going to be a word that we use a lot today is heart, right? What is it that inspires you about this particular population of those with special needs or those with disabilities? Do you have a particular, I guess, relationship with the community or? Yes, absolutely. So going back to your first question, so.
1: Uh, my personal faith journey, it was always kind of like a a chore for me, something that I checked a box, like I'm Catholic, I'm going to mass, I'm saying grace before meals, but I didn't know the importance of that personal deep relationship with Christ until a little bit later on in my life. And so growing up, my family is wonderful, super Catholic, big Italian family, like always sitting around the dinner table and everything is centered around food and spaghetti and meatballs, like (laughs) Yeah, that is my family. Um, Love them. But like I said, it it, it wasn't until, yeah, I was out of high school into college and I had like a real encounter Mm. with God. And that actually was with a person with disabilities. So when I was 17, I uh, was volunteering at a camp for children with all special needs. And I Mm -hmm. had never really had much experience before that. So I was really nervous to say the least. So funny to look back on this now too. um, But I just didn't have much experience and I'd never really met someone with special needs or someone that was so different than, than me and what I was kind of used to being surrounded by at that point in my life. And so I just distinctly remember, so I was a counselor and uh, we were assigned different campers and we were in a room with like a hundred people and different, you know, campers and counselors and everyone was getting um, assigned their groups mm-hmm. and kids are running around screaming. Um, it just was like chaos. It was crazy. And I distinctly remember I was super awkward, like mm-hmm. didn't really know anyone, which just standing in the corner. And I like made eye contact with this boy across the room who had Mm -hmm. down syndrome. Mm -hmm. And I just smiled at him and he smiled back at me. And then before I knew it, he's like running across the gym to come and like, give me this huge bear hug. And I just remember thinking, wow, like there's something very unique about the heart of someone with down syndrome, even in that moment, like there were all these other people in the room. I mean, my brother was at this camp and he wasn't like, Hey, are you okay? Like you're super awkward in the corner. Like (laughs) no one really asked me, but he could like kind of sense that I needed a friend. I needed a hug. And we got to talking. It was also his first year at camp. We just like hit it off. We connected and he's just such a wonderful joy filled person. And I just remember being like, Whoa, I feel like that was God coming to give me a hug. And it just really just showed me how special the heart of people with disabilities, but in particular, Down syndrome. Mm. And I I learned a lot during this camp, and it kind of laid the foundation of just my passion and my desire to serve this community. Like I, I just get, got to know this, this boy more. And then I found myself just hanging around all the people with down syndrome in particular. I I don't know. Like, it's just like God placed it on my heart. And I was very, very drawn to that. And we just had such a blast at this camp. And it, it was the first seed that, that the Lord planted, like, this is what you're going to do. This is why you're here. Mm. This is why I created you. And obviously it wasn't all in one swoop that God told me all these things. You know, you learn over the course of time, but that was that initial see that it was just undeniable. I was like this is there's something really special about these people and I I want to be around them. I want to be more like them. I yeah, I want to be a part of that.
0: Wow. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and to hear you talk about how, you know, you you had that encounter with God. And and I, what I love about that is just, he really can be at all places and he is in all people and just how that was such a unique and very personal encounter. So I'm curious to know, like from there, how did that change your outlook on faith? Because you mentioned that before it was like a chore or a checklist that you had to do. How did that encounter at that camp and then getting to know more people or more folks with Down syndrome, like how did that impact your personal faith?
1: Yeah. I think I started talking to God more because mm-hmm. I recognized him in these people. And so I started to talk to him like a friend. Whereas before it was like, I have to say these prayers. I have to do this routine. I have to go to mass. Like I said, that that checklist of like, I have to, rather than the Lord inviting me into a relationship. Mm-hmm. And I learned that through the relationships with these people. And I just started to like, open my ears more at mass. And then the Lord speaks to you when you're more open to like what he's saying. And I just really started to develop that personal relationship. And I realized, okay, like I am here for a purpose. Mm -hmm. God has a plan and a mission for my life. And I can only accomplish that with him by my side. (laughs) Like he's the one who designed this. And uh, yeah, it was kind of like a slow process into also surrounding myself with a community of people that... Mm -hmm were faithful, that were going to church, and understood the faith in a similar way than I, that I did, and that I could learn from, that could teach me more about it. I think I always say like you become, or someone else said this, but you become like the five people that you hang out with the most. And so, like surrounding myself with friends, and and that was at a pivotal point in my life. I was going into college, so like a lot was changing for me as far as just life things. Mm-hmm. So I was able to welcome in like new friendships and new people that were just had more purpose and meaning that were on a deeper level that were not just like surface level, like high school, no offense high school friendships, but um, <laughs> there, there's not much substance sure. sometimes. And as I started to progress and realize, okay, like, I think this is why I'm here. This is what I'm doing. Like I want to do with my life. I started to surround myself with people that were similar that had similar values and outlooks on life, but also like on our faith. Hmm.
0: Yeah. And I love that it is so like uniquely personal to you, like you were saying, it it gives you or it gave you a new sense of meaning and fulfillment and purpose in your life. And then, like you said, it was at a pivotal point, you're going to college. And I know that from doing a little bit of reading, you graduated with a degree in recreational therapy. So I'm curious if there is a link there between, you know, meeting these folks and, and wanting to help other people. Was that something that you wanted to do with the degree, I guess, after you graduated? Absolutely.
1: So I actually went into college. So this camp was this summer going okay. into college. So I had already um, had like a major at that point. So my first two years. Um, Like I said, this was a slow process. Um, I was actually studying communications and then I would go back to this camp every summer and God would just reveal things to me. And I said, you know what? Like, I just want to, I just want to be with people with special needs. Like, this is what I want to do with my life. I don't want to do communications or anything of that regard. So like, what am I doing? So I changed my major to recreational therapy uh, with a concentration in like special needs and disabilities. And that's all I want to do is serve this population. And it's funny because with that degree, I learned like art therapy and music therapy and dance therapy and all like the fun stuff. I say like recreation, like it's all stuff we do for fun with this population. And then years later, God like inspired this whole medical side of what I'm doing now, which was just like, whoa, (laughs) was not what I was planning for. We're talking how God works.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. I'll just kind of surprise you with some of the world or life-changing encounters. And that's exactly where I wanted to go because you do mention a particular trip to Uganda in 2017 that you took. And uh, I can only imagine what it's like, first off, to go halfway across the world to an entirely new place, new culture, uh, and perhaps like, you know, language is, is a bit of a barrier, cultural differences. I guess like I'd love to hear what it is that you saw there. Like what was it that moved your heart again and and maybe how it pulled you deeper into this mission that was already blossoming in your heart?
1: Right. So I went to Uganda in 2017 to visit my best friend, Claire. She actually started her own nonprofit there called Imprint Hope, which is a rehab center for children with disabilities in Uganda. She's an occupational therapist. And so I just went to visit her as yeah. my best friend. I think I knew deep down this is probably going to change my life just because we're both very similar. We have similar hearts and similar missions and things that we want to do with this population. Um, so I volunteered in her center with kids with disabilities, but I'm always very curious as to how the Down syndrome community is treated in other parts of the world. So I made it a point to connect with the local Down syndrome group in Uganda, mm-hmm. and we visited about 10 to 15 kids in their homes. And I was just completely blown away by what i saw hmm. for some reason the lord kept putting on my heart to ask about the heart defect and now hmm. i kept thinking about that camp because i remember like i would notice that the people with down syndrome had these huge scars on their on their chest and i remember asking the director like what is that and them explaining to me you know 50% of kids with down syndrome have a heart defect it's imperative that they have this corrective surgery as a baby to -hmm. save their life. And I just remember being so intrigued by that, that that was such a thing with this population. So God put that on my heart to ask when I was there in Uganda, to my surprise, like I said, I thought I'd just be like dancing and singing with these people, like the fun stuff. And the Lord was like, you're going to ask this. Okay. So I kept asking the parents and I kept asking and the lack of awareness for down syndrome, for the heart defect was just indescribable. They were so unaware that their child even had down syndrome that they didn't correlate it with a possible heart defect. They didn't know that was possible. And I remember the man in charge of the organization telling me, yeah, you know, we've lost a lot of kids this year. Like they've passed away and we don't know why. So there was a huge lack of awareness for what Mm. was actually happening. And in my head, I'm like, that is so preventable. Like, this is crazy just because these people are born in a country that doesn't understand them. It means that they don't get to survive. Like that just didn't add up in my brain or my heart. And also the lack of acceptance for people with Down syndrome in particular, all disabilities. There's a huge stigma in Uganda in particular um, that their life is not worthy, that they don't deserve to be living or they don't deserve you know, to be treated with medical care, or anything like that. And in particular, Down syndrome, because it's physical. So you can tell physically that something is different with the child. And so it was just very sad for me. And I just, I couldn't believe it because I love them so much Mm -hmm. that they were trapped in this culture that didn't understand them and no one was fighting for them. And I met one baby in particular that was six months old, which was the perfect time to get this corrective surgery. And she I just remember holding her and having her heartbeat against mine. And I just knew instinctually like this baby is going to need heart surgery. No one told me. I, we didn't even see like a heart scan, but the Lord literally said like, Lauren, you're going to help this one baby. And that was the call. Wow. Um, I didn't know I was going to start a nonprofit. I didn't know it was going to be like this entire big mission. I just said, yes, of course. Yes, let's do it. Like <laughs> we're going to help this baby. But I, I always share that like I can't unsee something. I think a lot of people go on mission and they volunteer their time. And that's so beautiful and needed for their own journeys and for the journeys of those that they're serving. But for me, I couldn't just come back home and mm-hmm. act like that didn't happen, mm-hmm. act like I didn't see it. And I knew that my particular set of gifts and resources and the things that I had here in the States could fulfill that need. And so like my wheels were spinning and I was already like, I probably could do something with this, but I think that initial call was just, Lauren, help this baby. And I said, okay, God, let's do it. And that just turned into a completely wild, wild and crazy journey. And then I started the nonprofit like a year and a half later. Yeah. Which is so nuts, but yeah, I think oftentimes we... We can get caught in like the big dream or the big picture, which is beautiful. And I'm a visionary. Like I love that. But for me, it's helped me to just say those little yeses and to just be obedient in that because God turns that into the big picture. He doesn't tell us the whole thing um, initially because I'm like, if he said that, I don't know what my answer would be. If he told me all these things that happened in the past three years since starting this, you know? Um, But he knows, he knows our hearts, he knows what makes us tick like he knows that um we're going to be obedient into fulfilling his will so yeah
0: it's mm-hmm. been a wild ride <laughs> oh, i'm sure yeah i'm sure and i guess that's exactly how hearts of joy international came to be so mm-hmm. and you mentioned that it's been i guess at the time that we're recording this about 3 years or just over mm-hmm. 3 years you've alluded to it a little bit but what has that experience been like like you know ever since coming back ever since saying yes to that very particular call again holding this girl in your arms what has happened since then Yeah,
1: so I ended up getting that baby and another baby. There ended up being two of them, heart surgery. Wow. Um, And we ended up going to India. (laughs) It's a long story, but I learned then that that was a way to treat them that was effective and efficient, um, was to send them to India, to a hospital in India. And coming back from that experience, I just realized we have to do this for more children, that it's just unacceptable to me that they're not getting the proper care and it's only because they have down syndrome. So in these developing countries, the medical system will always favor a typical child over a child with down syndrome for the same surgery, which to me is like just really wrong. And um, these children are such a gift. Like God created them for a purpose and they're here for a reason um, and their life matters. And so I desire to like become that advocate or develop a program to advocate for them and to fight for them in this field that I felt like this space where no one was doing that. And not only that, it's also teaching the parents and, and changing that stigma and changing the narrative of no, this child has no worth to this child matters. And they're here for a reason and they are a gift to your family. And they're going to teach you something that only you could learn through being the parent of this child. And now we've expanded quite a bit since then, since I decided to actually start the nonprofit. We're in Uganda, India, the Philippines, and now Mexico. So it's wow. like culturally, it's like crazy. <laughs> um, we have translators for every country. We have, you know, working with the different healthcare teams in the different hospitals in every country. And it's it's really extensive, the logistical part of what we do. But um, yeah, it's beyond worth it for these little kids and they matter. And I, uh, I just knew that I was being called to do this. It's funny because I would have loved to have just joined another nonprofit or like someone else that was already doing this. Cause it's really hard. It's really hard at times and very challenging, but God was like, no, Lauren, like you are the one to do this. So he's definitely using me as an instrument. And that's kind of how I see it. Like he's the boss here. I'm working for him. He loves these kids more than I do. And yeah, it's just a beautiful, beautiful thing to be used in that way. It's really beautiful. Absolutely.
0: When I think about it more, like it truly is like a human dignity issue, like a a real pro-life issue and just the heart that you have for this population. And like you said, God's heart for them is is already so big. And the fact that you're able to really co-labor with him in that way. Thank you. Yeah. Like how have you. Seen like the yeah that advocacy piece because I'll note that on your site like you mentioned being like a, a real fierce advocate for education and awareness around this mm-hmm. but how is that how have you seen that part of it grow for you
1: Yeah, so every country that we serve, we have educational courses and programs that are implemented along with the education for um, Down syndrome, but as well as like the heart, how to treat the child with the heart defect, the surgery, we kind of walk them through the whole process. And it looks different in every country because culturally things are different and they vary. And then here in the States, we have a separate program um, where we counsel um, mothers that get the prenatal diagnosis of Down syndrome and or a heart defect um, or women in crisis pregnancies that have no support. And we help them to choose life and also to support them and walk with them on this journey that is difficult. And so we we do like the same things, but it's different because we can get a prenatal diagnosis here in the States. Whereas in the countries where we serve, they don't have access to that. So we wouldn't know prenatally it's after the child's born or sometimes the kids come to us even as old as two to three years old, which sometimes could be too late and it becomes fatal for them. But I believe that everything is through education in learning and I'm like a sponge. I'm like constantly like, what, what else can we do? And how can we, you know, make the program better? And, and also I think just developing those relationships with our families and mm-hmm. doing those home visits and going into where they live and getting to know the lay of the land and understanding the culture. And our team is very well-versed and trained in that because we are not trying to just come in and change everything. We're trying to show them the beauty of these children so that they can then turn to their neighbor or their community and say, my child matters. It's not because I flew here from America and was shouting to everyone. It's because they saw that we practice what we preach and we mean what we say and we're for real. Um, I think there's a lot of that that goes on in developing countries where, you know, it's a lot of free handouts and a lot of nonprofits that are just trying to change something, but it's not sustainable. It can't go on without that particular group of people. It's like, we're trying to make a sustainable forever difference in these cultures. Mm -hmm. And the way that we do that is through that little ripple effect of us planting a seed in a mom's heart and walking with them and showing them that their child matters. And then it's amazing. That's one of my favorite parts of the job is seeing that crossover of a mom who's terrified in the beginning. And it's, it's not because she's a bad mom. It's because she's grown up in a culture that tells her she's not good enough. And then tells her that if her child is disabled, like she's a curse, like it's absurd. Mm. And I think if you ingrain that in someone's mind for you know hundreds of years, they're going to believe it after a while. So we are kind of going against a culture, which can be difficult, but it's like, my, my favorite part is when that turns and they realize, whoa, you're right, my child is beautiful and I can take care of them. I have the tools, I have the resources, I have the strength to do this. Because oftentimes these women feel very incapable and it's only because they're not supported. Um, So we come in and support them and do that. And yeah, I love the program here in the States because we'll like go to every ultrasound appointment with them, we'll go to every cardiology appointment before the child's born, throw them a baby shower. And then once the child's born, you know, help them with getting diapers and bottles, anything they may need, um, if they don't have that support, and then walking with them on the journey to heart surgery. So it's really extensive. But like everything stems from that relationship with our families and building that trust, and then showing by our actions in teaching them how to be uh, the best parents they could be for these children.
0: Yeah, and to see the support, the level of support, because I think, like you said, education and and support really are those critical pieces that yeah. allow for folks to feel more empowered and, and more capable, like they're actually able to take on something that I'm sure must seem insurmountable in the moment. Absolutely. You know, I think back to what you said earlier about when, you know, you were first, again, holding that little girl and you felt her mm-hmm. heart beat against yours, how... It was a very distant call, and you said yes. And it makes me think, actually, just as you were saying that, of Our Lady and how when the angel Gabriel came and just delivered that message of the fact that she was going to carry in her womb the Savior of the world... You know, if he had like the, you know, he pulled out his whiteboard and was like, okay, this is the master grand plan of everything that's going to happen after you say yes. You know, I wonder, of course, like what would have happened if she had said no, but also if she was overwhelmed with all of that information. And I think what you pointed to, Lauren, is just the fact that it's those little yeses. I think you were saying earlier, it's those little yeses, little fiats, and just how every step of the way uh, you were supported by your community, by our Lord, and how now you're able, again, to to really reciprocate that back for other women. So I just find that to be really incredible and just to see the inspiration of Our Lady. I noticed the little miraculous medal that you're wearing. Mm-hmm. Folks can't see it, but I just yeah. noticed that, and I was like, oh, that is so sweet. So just to have Our Lady's mantle wrapped around you as you're doing this ministry.
1: Yes, amen. It's so funny you bring that up because... I have a special affection for Our Lady and and her fiat in particular. It's something um, that I talk about often and just really Mm. admire. And exactly what you just said. Yeah, if she would have known the entire thing, maybe it would have been different. You know, it's just, I think we can get overwhelmed often with that big picture in so many unknowns and not really knowing what the future holds. But I think there's such beauty in that trust and that faithfulness and saying yes, amidst those unknowns and not being fully aware of where it could go or what could happen and knowing that if you're living in in the will of God, that he's going to provide for you and he's going to guide you and protect you. And it's funny because I, I always think of Mother Teresa. She's like a huge Mm -hmm. inspiration for me. She's the patron of my life and has become for this mission as well, just because of her love for the poor and especially those that are just not valued or seen as less than in our society. And I constantly think of her, yes, as well, because she was on that train to Darjeeling for a retreat, but she was already a sister. She was one of the Loretto sisters. She was teaching at a school in India. Like she was in her vocation. She loved it. She was doing great and experiencing joy and like living in God's will. And then on that train ride, the Lord's like, nope, you're going to quench my thirst and start the missionaries of charity and serve the poor. Like imagine she could have said, no, like I'm already Mm -hmm. your spouse. I'm already a nun. I'm already doing this but the courage and the bravery to say, yes, like she probably had a million questions. (laughs) It was like, what? And a priest once told me, like, if you don't say yes to what the Lord has for you, or if you don't do that, no one will. And that Mm -hmm. has always sat with me. And I'm like, imagine if our lady said, no, the world would be completely different. Imagine Mm -hmm. if mother Teresa said, no, there'd be thousands, if not millions of people's lives that were not impacted by her, that like, it's just so many vocations would have been missed. Like I think of it like that, that that's how powerful like your yes is. And however big or little that is, it's it's all part of like God's greater plan for humanity. And I just, the fiat is like, yeah, it's something very special to me that it's a daily reminder to just be obedient and saying yes. And even if you don't know what the outcome is, I think that's where true faith Um, And true trust is built.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I remember Pope Francis in one of his, I think it was a letter that he wrote uh, just on the topic of vocations, actually, just since Mm -hmm. you mentioned vocation, just around, and I'll totally paraphrase it, but it was something to the effect of there is no faith without risk. And I'm sure you had many questions and I'm sure you must have had other plans for your own life for where you wanted to go. And yet to really put that aside in favor of whatever it is that the Lord is calling you to. And, you know, Lauren, just in a brief looking through your site and just taking a look at some of the work that you've been able to accomplish, you and your team and and all of those who are serving in the different areas where Hearts of Joy International is working. Like, it's, it's incredible to me. And truly, if not for your saying yes would any of this be happening right now? So I just want to affirm you and thank you for the incredible work that you're doing.
1: Thank you. That means so much. I really appreciate it. And yeah, it's just, it's such a beautiful thing. And I think that's the fruit of, of being obedient to the Lord and that's how Mm -hmm. I look at it. And like I said, I think we all have the power to do that, but you're right. Like the thing that holds us back is that fear but that's not of God. And I almost think like when that fear does come in, it's almost like for me, it fuels me because I'm like, oh, like the devil's trying to stop this. This must be God's will. You know what I mean? To continue and to be strong in that. And I would just encourage people uh, listening. Yeah. To really follow that no matter how kind of crazy or just like the call may be or how many unknowns there might be ahead. God always, always makes a way and is forever faithful. And, mm-hmm. and also like, I didn't know that I was going to start a nonprofit, like as a kid, like this was not something I even knew was possible mm-hmm. or that this could be like a career path or even a vocation like to, to serve God and others. But it's just so, so beautiful. Like how God uses your gifts and talents. Cause this is, this is what he's done with me. Like it just, it makes sense it's the next natural step for me even though it may not make a whole lot of sense to some some other people or people may not understand like your particular call we still have to follow that and be obedient and like trust the lord that he knows better than us yeah i could have never imagined even when i started this i just thought we were going to do uganda and india and now we've expanded to five countries we have this whole program here in the states like he's just really um, bearing so much fruit from that initial yes, and then mm-hmm. all the yeses that have come thereafter, and the million more that I will be saying throughout my
0: life. For sure, Amen. Yeah. Oh but my goodness, that's
1: yeah, that's what he does, <laughs> which is awesome.
0: It's incredible, and and I think from there, like just as maybe like as we wind down, I would love to hear from you, like when it comes to this this population that you've really grown your heart for like I guess the image that's coming to mind is how in many of our lives like there is that particular thing that God I guess draws us into and and for you it was this heart for those children with Down syndrome and how he's really grown and expanded your heart and maybe for those listening uh who you know maybe they have their own like misconceptions or or, like preconceived notions of what it means to have a child with Down syndrome or people with Down syndrome. And I would love to hear from you something that you would like people to know about this population that you've really come to know so deeply and and to really come to love, I would even say. What is it that you would like people to know about those with Down syndrome?
1: Yeah, I would like them to know that they're a gift. And I know I've said that many times, um, and it may seem cliche, but any child is a gift and any person is on this earth for a very distinct purpose. And to know that like it's such a gift to have these people in our lives. I mean, I believe personally that they're like little angels sent here to help us get to heaven because they are such a reflection of God's love. And I would love for people to understand who they actually are rather than basing their judgment of that type of person on a preconceived notion of what maybe the media says or what doctors say when they give that diagnosis. Because oftentimes those ideas of of people with Down syndrome are false and not the reality of what they actually are or who they are um, and the dignity and the joy that they possess.
0: Hmm. That is so beautiful. and And I think it just, it renews within me, like a a new sense of really understanding and taking the time to understand people who may be different from me. And and I think that sometimes, again, there's a little bit of fear, right? Like when you're encountering someone either from a different culture or someone who may look different, just the fact that we all have human dignity. God made us, like you said, for a very particular purpose and and just how we really all make up the body of Christ. Uh, So Mm -hmm. I'm so appreciative of that. And I think maybe just as we, we tie it all together, you know, we talked about Mary and you mentioned Mother Teresa as well. So to uh, like John Paul II talks about Mary as that highest expression of the feminine genius. And for yourself, Lauren, I'd love to hear from you how you've seen throughout the years that you've been doing this kind of work and how it's inspired and moved you, how you've seen your feminine genius grow and flourish.
1: Yeah, I think it's it's really helped me to recognize that I myself have gifts and things that I could use that that God has given me for this particular purpose and serving others and spreading his love and really owning that. I think we all have strengths and weaknesses, but God uses all that for his glory and recognizing, yeah, just that motherhood in me, both spiritual and then hopefully one day physical, but in really like that nurturing side of just who I am and how how God has created me so specifically as a woman to serve and to love and and to be a mother to so many in a way as well, even to the mothers that we serve. I feel like sometimes I'm a mother, I'm a friend, I'm a sister,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, all these beautiful um, roles that I can play in supporting these women and, and helping them to realize that they were created for a purpose and they're this child's mom for a reason. It's like, it's a beautiful kind of like circle that we find ourselves in, in, in this mission and, um, just celebrating that and, and allowing people to have the space of fear of the unknown and not like saying, no, you can't feel that because that's our human nature. And I think with the diagnosis of Down syndrome, there's a lot of fear. There's a lot of unknowns we can wash that away when we tell them the reality of this child and, and give them that education and, and the facts. But yeah, just me personally, like discovering my own gifts and, and realizing that, yeah, the Lord wants to use them for his greater glory. Um, and that's just that in and of itself is such a beautiful thing.
0: Absolutely. What a gift that is and what a gift you are. Thank you for your time today, Lauren. It was just so yeah. great to meet you. Thank you so much. This is awesome. Thank you. Thank you, and maybe as we close, would you be able to lead us in a prayer? Yes, sure. In the,
1: name of the Father and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this day, and we thank you for all things in it. We just thank you for this beautiful conversation. We pray that you continue to bless all of the families and the children that we serve at Hearts of Joy. We pray that you bless everyone that listened, um, that they may be inspired to say yes and be obedient to your will for, for their lives. We pray that you continue to bless Rachel and her work with this podcast and all the beautiful people that she will interview. And we just thank you, Lord, for our individual gifts. And We just continue to uh, pray that you help us be able to use them for your glory. And we say all this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen.
0: Thank you, Lauren. Yeah, this
1: is great. Thanks so much for having me.
0: Thank you to Lauren Costabile for joining me on the Feminine Genius Podcast today. You can learn more about the important and life changing work that Hearts of Joy International does by visiting heartsofjoyinternational.com. You can also find them on Instagram and Facebook at Hearts of Joy International. All this information can be found in the episode description below. You can learn more about the Feminine Genius Podcast by following us on Facebook and Instagram at FemGeniusPod, and you can listen and subscribe wherever you find your podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and many other platforms. All of this information can be found on our home on the web, FeminineGeniusPodcast.com. We'll talk to you soon, and God bless you always.